Hello, welcome to God Day. And uh, yeah, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today I want to share with you something special from Jesus' teaching, the Beatitudes. And I believe that these are especially important. Of course, Christ's teaching, I believe, should be first place uh, in, in our thinking. Often we, we jump to the Apostle Paul's teaching, which is wonderful, but uh, actually Christ's teaching is foundational for the New Testament. Because the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, go therefore, all authority in heaven on earth is given me, go therefore, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I'll be with you always till the end of the age. So I want you to notice that Jesus specifically says that his teaching applies to us in the church age. And, and that is to be taught and in particular, uh, the foundation of Jesus' teaching really is the Sermon on the Mount. That is where he really he lays out the laws of the kingdom that he has come to establish and uh, in the, through the new covenant. So I believe the Sermon on the Mount is new covenant teaching. Some people say it's not, but uh, to me it's clear that Matthew 28 says that we are to teach everything that Jesus taught. Um, to teach them to observe or to obey, he says, all that I have commanded you. So in other words, the commands in the Sermon of the Mount do apply to us in the New Covenant, and we are under the, the law of Christ, as it were. We're not under the law of Moses, but we are under the law of Christ, and the, if you like, the, the Sermon on the Mount is crucial to that. So I want to, to share about that, and let's go to Matthew chapter 5. And let's see the setting for this is, reminds us of Mount Sinai. When God came down on Mount Sinai and he gave the law, the law of Moses. But now we see in Matthew 5, seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain. Here again we see a picture of a mountain. This is symbolic of authority. This is symbolic of kingdom. And here Jesus, as it were, is going to lay down the laws and, and the constitution, as it were, of the kingdom. He went up on a mountain. So just as God spoke from the top of a mountain at Mount Sinai, so God in the person of Jesus is, is going to give from that place of authority what his kingdom, how it will be, and what he expects of his subjects, of his citizens. So he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying. And the start of the Sermon on the Mount is what I want to focus on today, is what we call the Beatitudes. Now this isn't what you would expect, you know, of a king giving his laws, uh, because they're all about heart attitudes. It's not about the outward actions so much, but about the heart attitudes that in the kingdom of God, the standards is, is not just that you can do various outward things, but God is very concerned about our heart attitude, that this is a spiritual kingdom, and at the core of it is that our heart must be right. And he talks about these 
Beatitudes. There's eight of them. There are eight blessings because each of them starts with blessed is. So the blessing of God is the life of God um, that is, can, we can experience. And, and that each of these blessings is associated with the right heart attitude. So they're the be attitudes, or the be happy attitudes, you might say. The attitudes that allow the blessing of God to flow in our life. And there are eight of them. So he's saying the key is not your outward performance, but the key is having these attitudes that allow the blessing of God to flow. And so the first one, I believe, has a special place of importance. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's basically saying the key to enter the kingdom of heaven and the key to possess all things in the kingdom of heaven is to be poor in spirit. Now this, this seems, you know, what's this talking about? Blessed is the poor in spirit. And, and of course, this is saying, first of all, that to be saved in the first place, you've got to realize, I am poor in spirit. I don't have what it takes to be saved. I need God. I need his salvation. And you have to come to the end of yourself and realize, I cannot save myself. I am poor. I have nothing to offer. And therefore, I put all my trust in you, Lord Jesus Christ, for my salvation. And that's how you actually enter in to the kingdom of God. But uh, it also applies to our everyday life in the kingdom of God. And I used to struggle with this and I would say, no, well now, if I'm now I'm born again, I'm not poor in spirit. My spirit's reborn. You know, I'm a new creation in Christ. I have the Holy Spirit inside my spirit. So how can I be poor in spirit? But the way Jesus puts it is this should be an ongoing attitude, the attitude that belongs to one who is in the kingdom. And, and it took me some time to understand that actually, although I am born again, and although I have the Holy Spirit within me, <coughs> I don't, the Holy Spirit is a distinct person to me. So I don't own the Holy Spirit. You see, I, I, I possess the Holy Spirit in me, but I don't own him, you see. So I'm still poor because I'm still dependent on the Holy Spirit. Now, he's faithful and he gives himself to me, but actually for all eternity, I am depending on the Holy Spirit for my life. I don't act as if I can, I've now, I'm fine now, I'm saved, so I can just act independently from God, no. I am now back in a place where I am dependent on God for my day-to-day existence and my life and supply. And so I have to live continually in that humble dependence on the Holy Spirit. The Lord gave me a sermon title last year which really helped my understanding. He says, I own nothing, but I possess all things in Christ. Praise God. In other words, God will freely give us all things to enjoy as long as we don't try and possess, as long as we don't try and own them and, ha- and claim the total control over them. That's covetousness. But I just need to let, realize I own nothing. I am poor in myself. I own nothing 
because I'm owned by God. I'm God's slave. I'm, I belong to God. He's purchased me with the blood of Jesus. I own nothing. And actually, that's very liberating. And I depend on the Holy Spirit continually. And it's having that attitude that knowing that I own nothing but allows me to possess all things, to possess the Holy Spirit. And there's a similar one in Luke, only he says in Luke, Luke 6.20, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He doesn't even say poor in spirit, but just poor, full stop. Because if I am a slave of God, if I own nothing, I don't even own myself. And all the blessings of God I have, I don't own them. I possess them, I enjoy them, I experience them, but God is the owner. God is the one who owns me and all the blessings I enjoy. And that keeps me in that right, humble relationship before him. And it stops me getting into pride and independence. And if I understand this is the number one principle of the kingdom of God, that God is the owner, he is the absolute Lord, and I live in continual dependence on him, that is the exact opposite of the primary principle of sin. The essence of sin is independence from God, that I can be my own God. I can operate under my own power, under my own intelligence, from my own soul. And therefore, the number one qualification to be in the kingdom of God and to operate in the kingdom of God and to possess the blessings of the kingdom of God is for me to surrender ownership and control and to admit that I am poor, poor in spirit, and actually poor in everything because God owns all the things I have. God owns my blessings. God owns me. And if I understand that and, and embrace that fact, then literally mine is the kingdom of, of heaven. That's the first thing you have to learn to operate because often we, we want the blessings of God, but we're covetous. We want to control the blessings of God. Um, we want to be the one in control. And because of that, God is limited as to how much he can bless us because we want the blessing for our own sake, for our own control. And, and so we can be independently. We can live independently from God. So that's the number one beatitude. And if we are poor in spirit, if, that, if we accept that fact, that reality, we qualify to be blessed with the life of God, which will make us happy. That's one meaning of the word blessed is happy. Happy. You'll find happiness through that surrender to God's ownership of you. Well, the second beatitude is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and I believe this is talking about our emotions, what to do with our emotions, particularly if we're sad. We need to mourn in the presence of God. What Jesus is saying here is maybe when, you're, when you've sinned, and, and maybe that's the reason, you're, you're feeling that absence of the presence of God um, or you've experienced a loss in your life, bring it to God. Mourn, as it were, in the sense of offering it to God. Confess your sin to God. Um, bring that loss to God. 
Open your emotions to God. Don't just bury it, but open your emotions to God. You know, in the temple, it's a picture of us. The showbread, I believe, is the bread of the presence in the holy place. That represents your emotions. The altar of incense is your will. The menorah is your mind, meant to be illuminated with the Holy Spirit. But the bread of the presence means the bread. That's your emotions that are soft. They need to be kept in the presence of God. And if you open your emotions to the presence of God and you ask God to heal you and heal your heart and minister to your heart, then you will receive blessing. What it's saying is stay emotionally open to God. Keep your heart open to God. Keep your emotions in the presence of God. Even when you're hurting, when you're down, bring it to God. Open your heart to God. Even when you're tempted to close your heart down, And it says, you will be comforted. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. If you open your heart to God uh, and invite him in there, uh, he will comfort you. Praise God. Again, it's talking about that heart attitude of being open to God, keeping an open heart to God, keeping yourself in his presence. He will comfort you. He will comfort your emotions when they're down. The next one is, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's interesting, it talks about inherit the earth. You know, God is interested in your life in the earth. God wants you to be successful in your life in God. And the key to that success is to be meek. Uh, Meek speaks of humility, being teachable. See, if you want to be, just on a practical level, if you want to be successful, in whatever area you're operating in, you need to be teachable. You need to learn from the people who know what they're talking about. You, rather than saying, well, I, I, I can work it out for myself. I'll, I can do, you know, uh, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. Um, when you're unteachable, you won't go far. But if you have a meek attitude, that is, Lord, I want to learn. I want to learn from those who really don't just learn from people who, who are not successful themselves, but find those who are successful and have that meek attitude. Ask the right questions. Learn what you can. You, you will become successful. You will inherit the earth. And particularly in your relationship with God, humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before the Word of God. Ask God questions. Say, Lord, what do you, what, what do you mean by this? And, and when you fear the Lord, when you are meek, when you are submitted to God's authority, then you will receive his wisdom and his blessing and you will inherit the earth. You will, you, you will inherit your promised land. So the, the next major key there is submission to God's authority, submission to God's word. Your attitude to God's word is that it's the final word. You don't argue with God. You don't argue with his word. You submit to his word. Lord, speak to me. And when you show me what to do, I surrender to that. I submit to that. If you will do that, you will possess the earth. That's what he said to Joshua, isn't it? Meditate on my word day and night. Joshua 1.8. And then you will have good success. And you will inherit your promised land. Well, the next one in verse 6 is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
And this is talking about your attitude of spiritual hunger. You know, I always find that the people who grow spiritually, are the, they are hungry and they're thirsty. Now, when it talks about righteousness here, uh, re remember in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Our focus is often on the things. Oh God, give me this, give me that. But God says, if you'll just seek me, the things will kind of take care of themselves. I'll, I'll provide those for you. But I need you to seek me and my righteousness. Now his righteousness is really his righteous life that flows out of your spirit. Uh, the wisdom of God, the rightness of God, the power of God. His righteousness is his life that fills your soul and empowers your soul to think right, to do right, to feel right, uh, to judge rightly. And that, that is a spiritual river that, that flows, his righteousness. He says, seek first his righteousness. In other words, seek the Lord, it says, and seek his hand, seek his strength. Seek his righteousness to fill your soul. Lord, I, I don't want to do this thing in my own strength. Fill me with your spirit so that I might have your righteousness flowing into me. And his righteousness comes in two forms. It comes through his word and through his spirit. So that's why it says hunger and thirst. Hunger for his word. So you've got to be hungry for the word. The word of God is, is compared to, to bread. You know, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you are, we are to eat the word like we eat food, like we eat bread. And, and so we need to be spiritually hungry for the word of God. Jesus said, this is the next key attitude you need to have, a hunger for the word of God. I want to know the word of God. I want to eat the word of God. I need, that's meditation is to eat the word of God. But also we are to thirst for the spirit of God. We're to be thirsty. Some people love the word, but they, they're not open to the spirit of God. They're not thirsty for the spirit of God. These are the attitudes of the soul that we need to have. The Holy Spirit's in us, but the Holy Spirit will only flow into our soul. The blessing will only flow into our soul to the degree that we are hungry and thirsty for his righteous life. It's, the river is available to us, but it's only how much do we hunger and thirst the promise is this, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, stir yourself up into spiritual hunger, hunger for his word, thirst for his spirit, then you will be blessed. The blessing of God will flow and it will make your soul happy. And he says, they shall be filled. You'll be filled with the blessing. You'll be filled with the righteous life of God, filling your soul, filling you with his peace and his joy and his love. Because righteousness, if you're going to put one word on it, it's love. God's righteous life is his love flowing into you. But you've got to be hungry and thirsty for that righteous life. The next one, blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's a big key thing. We must have a forgiving heart. We must have a merciful heart. We, we, then, he says, we will receive mercy ourselves. Jesus said, if you, don't forgive, if you don't forgive others, then you won't be able to receive the forgiveness yourself from God. So you won't receive, if you're not merciful, you won't receive mercy. So that's a big key. 
all right? Have a merciful, forgiving heart because God has been merciful to you. And so you will be blessed if you are merciful and you will obtain the mercy of God, the healing of God. It's a major key to your healing is that you are merciful, you are forgiving, then you will receive mercy. And then the next one, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Pure. We've got to keep our heart pure from idols. Again, this is all about heart attitudes. Where we have idols, where we are covetous, we, that is an impurity in our heart and that stops us seeing God. It stops us receiving from God because we can't see spiritually. We are, those idols hold us into the natural realm. They, they, they pull our heart away from God and our focus is off God and we can't receive the blessing of God. But if we allow God to burn out the idols from our heart, that he purifies our heart, then we can see God. And then it's easy for us now to receive the blessing of God. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9, for they will be called the sons of God. And the peacemakers are those who preach the gospel. He says, those who are willing to preach the gospel of peace so that people, the lost, come into a place of peace with God. Praise God that you are a peacemaker when you preach the gospel. You're bringing peace between men and God. He says, you'll be the, called the sons of God. In other words, God will, will be proud of you, that he, you are his son. You are representing him in the earth. And that brings a special blessing when you uh, represent Jesus and you preach the gospel of pre- peace. You are a peacemaker. And uh, that brings a special blessing from the heart of God because you're doing his business. And finally, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's a special blessing for you if you suffer persecution for righteousness sake, for Jesus sake, for the gospel's sake, you suffer persecution. And it's really talking about those who do not bow down under that persecution. I would say the character quality is courage. Blessed are those who are courageous in their faith. They don't back down, but they hold forth the gospel. They hold forth their testimony. There is a special blessing that, that, that will help you through that persecution, that you'll be closer to Jesus than ever. And it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's as if you are going to receive a great reward. In fact, he says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so Jesus is saying, there's a special blessing on you when you are courageous under fire, when you stand firm and even suffer for your faith. God sees that and God actually will give you a special blessing, a special anointing right now to to go through that time that you're suffering for the Lord. And more than that, and a great eternal reward. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, God will just pour out his blessing upon you. So these are the eight beatitudes. These are the same, the eight keys, really, that open the gates of heaven's blessing in your life. And that blessing makes, makes you happy. That's the, the word 
Macarius, the blessing there. And uh, it's all to do with our heart attitudes, our heart attitudes. You know, the law of Moses, in a sense, overall emphasized outward performance. But Jesus said that it, that's not enough. You need to have the right heart attitude. That's the big emphasis in the Sermon on the Mount. To be in God's kingdom, you've got to let God change your heart. Now, only the Holy Spirit can give you these heart attitudes. We are poor in spirit, remember. So we need to realize, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me these heart attitudes. Help me to be like this. Because when I'm in that place in my heart, all the blessings of God flow through your heart, you see. And so when your heart is right, then you can enjoy all the blessings of God to flow into your soul and in your life. But if your heart is wrong, it's interesting there were eight woes. In Matthew 23, Jesus gives eight woes to the Pharisees because their heart attitude was the opposite of these things. And those eight beatitudes correspond to the eight woes. If your heart is hard in these areas, instead of blessing, you come under woe and curse. And so we need to realize that our whole life, ultimately, it's through our heart that we connect with God. And if we have the heart of faith and the heart of love and the heart of humility and the heart of courage and, the, and a pure heart, then that opens the door for God to bless us. Oh God, give us. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts. Reveal yourself to our hearts. Lord, help us to humble our hearts and understand that we are without you. We are nothing, we can do nothing. Oh God, we need you, we're poor in spirit. Lord, I, only you can make my emotions be right. Lord, only you can fill me with your love. Lord, Holy Spirit, help, help, help me. Help me turn from my sin. Help me trust in Jesus. Help me love you with all my heart. Holy Spirit, I need you. And I want to be blessed. I want to enjoy the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that requires my heart to be right. So please, Lord, make my heart right today. Soften my heart. Praise God. I repent of all pride and self, you know, just self-obsession. Lord, in the kingdom of God, you are the king. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, I'm sorry I've been preoccupied with the things and I've ignored you, Lord. But Lord, right now, I want to be on the right side of Beatitudes. I want to have the kind of attitudes of heart that open the door for your blessing to flow and to bring forth all the great things in my life that you want me to experience. I hope understanding these blessings and the heart attitudes, the Beatitudes, the attitudes that release the blessing of God in your life will transform your life from the inside out. God bless you and be blessed through the right attitudes. Amen. <laughs>